0: Hello friends, how are you guys? I hope you had a great new year and Christmas and all of those things. Have I told you recently how grateful I am for those of you who keep showing up here? (laughs) I might have, but I'm going to tell you again. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so thankful that there are so many people around me who want to improve their marriages You know, I look around me and I see a lot of people who are not very happy. A lot of people who are really struggling. I can even look back on myself and my husband several years ago and think about how difficult it felt. And I can see the contrast in my life now. You know, that really stunk. That was hard. And not that my marriage is perfect. I'm going to talk to you actually in a minute about a little tiff that my husband and I just had. So it's not ever going to be flawless and perfect and that's actually not what I want for you. I think relationships are supposed to have highs and lows and they're supposed to um, keep us drawing toward one another and keep us growing and I think that's a good thing. But I also can see the difference in my life when I've had that feeling of just frustration and resentment and that undertone of unhappiness and I can feel the contrast with now where even when we have a hard time, I know that we're solid. Even when things get a little shaky, like there's a peace in knowing that we're working on this and that we truly love each other and that we have each other's back. And that's what I want for you and so many people around me to be able to get to that point in their marriage. Not that it's easy, but just that there's that feeling of security and peace overall. So that being said, I want to tell you guys a little bit about our break that we just had. I'm going to get real with you for just a minute. Um, so the Christmas break started. It was the end of the week and my kids had a half day. And the very day I picked my kids up from school before the the last day of the break, um, one of my kids, he started feeling bad that evening. The next day he had a fever of 102 point something i don't even remember but sure enough he just kept getting worse and feeling more and more sick and he ended up having the flu i was super careful we've had the flu before um probably about four or five years ago we all got it at the same time so i was super careful that was a horrible experience it was over spring break by the way last time we had it so I was sanitizing and isolating him, trying to keep everything clean. <clears throat> sure enough, the next evening, despite my best efforts, my husband started feeling bad. So we made a quick decision. Uh, I think that was on a Sunday. And we were like, you know what? Let's While we're feeling decent, let's get all the loose ends tied up, wrap the presents that we still have left. Just try to get everything ready for Christmas in case we all get sick again. So, the day after my husband got sick, I went down. (laughs) I started getting it. Then our youngest started getting it. If you're following me on social media, on Instagram or Facebook, you probably already know this, but four out of the six of us got the flu the week of Christmas. I had a fever for almost a solid week straight. I'll save you um, most of the sad details here, but something came up in my relationship that I wanted to share with you. My husband, you know, he started feeling a little bit better before the rest of us. He actually has to get the flu shot every year because he works in healthcare, and I do not, and I did not get the flu shot. So, anyway, he was feeling better a little more quickly. And he just didn't understand why we were still feeling bad, why myself, I in particular, was feeling so bad for so long. And how do I know that he was feeling this way? (laughs) Because he told me so. Um, And we got into a little bit of a frustration, like a little tiff about it. And we were actually not, it wasn't even about that. We got into a little bit of a spiff about something else that I was frustrated about (laughs) and anyway he said some words to me about how I should be feeling better and not dragging this out and that it was a little extreme and I was taking it too far blah 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 and I got super defensive I was mad at him you guys I started thinking he's selfish he's being mean and rude and you know all the things my brain just started going off with all those kinds of thoughts listen I'm not telling you this to air any dirty laundry. Sometimes I have family members who listen to my podcast. I'm definitely not trying to talk bad about my husband and I'll get to that a little in a little bit. But I just want you to know, all of you listening, that we're all human, right? We all have these struggles. It goes back to what I said in the beginning. Even when we figure out these skills and these tools that really do help our marriages, it's not like everything is perfect all the time. And I actually don't expect that. And it's not that way for myself or my clients. But anyway, If you've listened to the podcast before, you know that my husband is not a huge fan of talking things out, especially when things feel contentious or difficult. So going back to my frustration with him, um, during this time, I really wanted him. (laughs) My brain was saying, I want him to come up with this eloquent apology to me, right? Like he should approach me and I wanted him to come and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I wanted him to tell me that he knows that we're all different and we should give each other the space we need to recover and feel better when we're sick. <laughs> you know, all the things that I consider to be important. Well, guess what? He did not do that. I wanted him to. But he didn't, and I'll be honest and tell you that my thoughts got the best of me, and I started feeling more and more frustrated at him and Then, out of frustration, I started avoiding him, right, and I was thinking all the negative thoughts now, by this time, um I don't know like a day had or two had gone by, and I wasn't feeling a hundred percent back to normal, but I'm no longer sick and no longer contagious, so I'm trying to go about my business and carry out my responsibilities, and I had to take some things to somebody else who had been in the hospital. So when I left, I was kind of in a hurry, and our kitchen was just a huge mess from some of the things that I had been doing. So I'm still angry at him by this point, too. And I muttered as I was on my way out the door, I'll just take care of this stuff when I get back. I know I'm leaving a mess, but, you know, I'll deal with it later. And I kind of just left quickly. When I returned home, the kitchen was completely clean. All the stuff I had left out, it was all put away. Dishes were washed. Everything was in order. And my husband had done that. He had cleaned up everything for me. And he was quietly going about the rest of his business. He still didn't talk to me. He still didn't say anything to me. (laughs) But he did that for me. Now, Some of you are thinking, well, that's so kind and that's so noble of him to help in that way, especially when I was still kind of mad at him and being a bit of a jerk. And I think you're right. It was nice. And I gave him like a quick thank you. But in that moment, I was still really frustrated at him. I was grateful that he cleaned that kitchen, but that's not what I really wanted. He knew that I wanted to talk to him about the situation that he and I had had. And for whatever reason, that I still, honestly, you guys, I still can't quite understand it personally because I don't struggle with that in the way he does. But for whatever reason, it just wasn't available to him at the moment to come and have an open conversation and for him to be vulnerable and have that um, exchange at that time. Now, I'm going to come back to this story in just a minute and tell you how the rest of it played out, but I want to pause with our situation and talk about a very popular concept and book that I hear and read about all the time in this work I do with couples and relationships. I'm talking about the book um, by Gary Chapman, and it's his Five Love Languages book. I'm sure most of you have heard of this concept, and many of you have probably even taken the quiz to show um, what your love language is, so you'll be more aware of that. And if not, I'll leave a link to the quiz in the podcast description. And if you'd like to learn more about your particular love language after listening to me today, um, you can just go click on that link and it'll take you to a site where you can gain lots of awareness about how you like to be spoken to when it comes to love. And by spoken to, I mean how you like to be treated or how you like to be shown love. Now, I have some thoughts on this subject that are probably going to be a little bit different than you may have heard before. While I think awareness of love languages is awesome, you who listen to me often know that I'm all about being aware. And I feel like that's basically the first step, right, in making change. And that's what this book helps you to do, gain awareness. Um, It helps us to be more aware of ourselves and our partner. I also think we have to be very careful, though, about how we use this new awareness of our love language, or it can actually cause more of a disconnect in our relationships. (laughs) Those of you who are familiar with the book might be a little bit surprised by this, but I actually think if you don't use this information correctly, it will cause more of a disconnect in your relationship what just listen to me i'm definitely not here to bash gary chapman's work i actually think it's really good stuff but i've seen some people use it in a way that does not help them create more love and connection in their marriage i read complaints that sound something like this on these um excuse me in these online communities that i'm in They'll say something like, well, my love language is acts of service. And I've told my husband this, but he still won't vacuum the floor and wash my car. <laughs> They'll be like, I'm so sad and I don't know what to do. He just doesn't get it. Can somebody please help me understand how to make him see what I need from him? So basically what they're saying is I have this desire that I want from you right something I'm desiring and I've told you that I desire it so we're aware of it now you have to comply with this because that's the only way I can really accept love from you if you don't willingly do this you're now being cruel to me and you're sabotaging my happiness and we're just doomed in this marriage And then they'll ask some variation of the question, like, how can I change this person into someone who really sees what I want and gives that to me? Maybe you've asked yourself those things before. Or maybe some of you are thinking this is an extreme example. But I'm telling you guys, I see a variation of this a lot. And there's no judgment from me, actually. Unfortunately, I myself used to have some very similar thoughts and patterns in my own marriage. And that's the reason I want to call out this little faux pas. It's not because I'm telling anyone that they're a bad spouse if they felt this way. Absolutely not. I actually think it's human nature to feel this way. The thing is, though, it just doesn't serve us. It doesn't help us. It does not improve our marriage or our connection to approach our love languages this way. It does not lead to greater feelings of love and connection. In fact, it does the opposite for many of us. It sabotages intimacy. I remember saying to my husband many, many years ago um, in the early stages of our marriage, if you really love me, I just think you would do whatever, fill in the blank, X, Y, and Z. And I would say, especially since you know that it's important to me, because I'm a communicator. He's not so much, but I am. So I would tell him all the things. And I would think, well, he just must not love me as much as I love him because he's not willing to do this. Have any of you ever said that? Or have you had a similar thought? I think it's a common thought. And we feel so justified in it. If you really love me, you would want to communicate with me. And for my situation, right, I had all the evidence. Communication is crucial. I've heard so many professionals talk about it, and I've read so many articles about this, Jason. (laughs) If you really cared about our marriage, you would know how important communication is, and you would just do it. Does that sound familiar to you? If you really love me, You should want to lighten my load and take out the garbage and do the dishes. Can't you see how much I crave that physical connection with you? Aren't you attracted to me in the same way I'm attracted to you? Am I not enough for you in some way? I can't believe you're denying me this. Some partners get really confused when all this starts happening and they feel like their desires or their needs aren't being met. Not that I think all of these are needs, but we feel that way, right? We're, and we sometimes communicate that way. These are needs that I have and you're not willing to fulfill them. Sometimes we get confused about it because in the beginning of our relationships, these things did seem to come more easily. And they feel like perhaps the relationship has gone bad or maybe our partner doesn't love us anymore Chapman teaches that we progress to different stages in our relationships. So in the beginning, like I was just talking about, the beginning of the relationship, we're kind of in that euphoric stage. Of course, things come more naturally to us. We're both feeling this surge of love and this mutual curiosity about one another. We're focused on each other and we're elated with how new and exciting everything is. And, and the learning feels fun, right? It makes sense that we might do a better job of giving and receiving love during that stage. As the newness wears off, most of us enter a phase in which we have to be more intentional about our relationship. If you aren't aware, that's totally normal, okay? If you've never heard of this before, it's normal that we progress into this next phase where we have to be more intentional, you might think your relationship is just going south and was a big mistake from the very beginning, but for most of us, that's not true, right? You might start feeling more like roommates during this phase than lovers, and you think, well, maybe we're really not romantically compatible after all. Have any of you ever felt that way? Well, guess what? If you have, you're very, very normal. Lots of people do that. So the premise of Chapman's work which, by the way, has just continued to get more and more popular over the last 20 years. Um, There uh, are five love languages that we speak in any relationship. That's the premise of his work. And he says, you know, these five love languages are basically just ways that, in general, we give and receive love. So most of you probably know these. I'm guessing most of you have heard this before. But for those of you who haven't, he says... We either value words of affirmation, which would be like compliments and encouragement or communication and talking. We value quality time, which is just being together. Maybe gifts, whether they be big or small. Some of us value acts of service, doing things for the other person. And the last one is physical touch. Which, by the way, some people think that's just like physical intimacy, sexual intimacy, but that could be all types of touch. Cuddling, hand-holding, just a hand on the back, it all fits in there. So the premise of Jack Chapman's work is that we all give and receive love in a way that fits into one of these five languages And for some of us, we value certain aspects of this work more than others, okay? And I actually have taken this quiz, and you would think mine would be words of affirmation, but mine is like across the board, about the same. Like, I value all of them equally. (laughs) So I don't know if that makes me high maintenance or easily loved, but (laughs) you might find that too. Maybe when you take the quiz, you'll be like, oh, there's not one that really stands out above the crowd. And that's okay too. So, now, after you look at each of these love languages, ideally, once you're aware of your own preferences and your partner's preferences, then the two of you can start to learn to interact with each other in a way that feels most loving to you and your partner, right? That's what we're all hoping for. Chapman um, explains it like you're feeling, filling up a love tank. So, can you see that visual in your mind? There's a tank. And the more love each of you feel, the more full that tank gets. And when we feel loved and connected, when that tank is full, we're more equipped to manage the conflicts in the marriage, right? So just like in my situation with my husband and I kind of getting in a little tiff after we were sick, if that tank feels full... we'll be able to manage that disagreement better than if neither of us are feeling loved and valued so if your love languages match up this is kind of the little um disclaimer here i guess maybe that's a way to say it this is kind of the thing that you have to watch out for if your love languages match up of course it's going to be more easy for you to keep the love tank full right because it just makes sense it's like you're speaking the same language and you're both familiar with it you'll both likely be giving and interpreting love in a way that easily resonates with you if your love languages match up now this is where it becomes a problem if you have totally different styles of showing love it might feel a bit like you're learning to speak Japanese, (laughs) right? Or maybe it will feel a bit like you're trying to understand Japanese when you're like, I'm only fluent in English. I don't even, words are coming, your mouth is moving, but I have no idea what you're saying, right? Because notice when someone speaks a foreign language, language is still being spoken with good intent on their behalf. But because it isn't being interpreted correctly, the intended message is not received, okay? Sometimes there will be two people who come together and say, you know what, we want to improve this marriage, and we're both all in, and we both are totally committed to figuring out how to understand and speak a new language. This can be a beautiful thing, and I think this is where the five love language book is super beneficial and helpful when you have two people and each couple knows that it's not easy to learn the new language but because they can see the vision of how awesome the results could be they're all in and they're open and they're willing to withstand that learning curve that comes along with it they study they learn they practice they fail they try again and they're happy to do that because it's something they want to do awesome Here's where we have to be careful though. We can actually use the awareness of love languages to sabotage our connection if we don't go about this with some caution, okay? I want you to think about it. How does it say, or excuse me, how does it feel to say to someone, this is my love language and you have to learn to speak it just right or I can never find fulfillment in this marriage. Yikes! You might feel justified in saying that. I certainly think I've done that before. But can you see how it's very disempowering to you? Your happiness and fulfillment is now dependent on someone else who speaks a different language. And how does it feel to be on the opposite side of that? You must do all of these things no matter what your perspective is because my contentment requires it. Yeah, yeah, you might be trying hard to show love in all these other ways, but I'll only accept it from you if you show it in the way that I dictate. Can you see how if we don't use our new found language knowledge wisely, it could actually lead to that more disconnected feeling, a more disconnected relationship? I see this a lot. Now, don't get me wrong. If you know your love language and you communicate it seriously and um, you're being very respectful and your partner says, thank you so much for telling me that. Now that I know I'm so happy to start communicating in that way with you, that's amazing. I am all for that. You'll likely both feel very happy and grateful, and it'll increase your connection. You're both learning a language that brings you closer. Awesome. That's not what I'm talking about today, though. I'm talking about those of you who are much like I, myself, used to be. I was so frustrated that my husband wouldn't fill the voids that I perceived to be super important. Okay? So I'm like, you know what I'm asking for but he still was not either capable or able or couldn't figure out how to fulfill that for me. And you know what, guys? I didn't really realize it at the time, but I don't think it was because he didn't want to. And you might find that to be the same case with your husband. I think most people want to be able to um, communicate in their partner's language, but a lot of times, It's just not available to them at the time. Not to say that we can't learn. I think most of us can if we're willing. But I want you all to consider that perhaps your partner sincerely just doesn't know how to fulfill what you're asking for. There were things that came so easily to me. Things that I valued and felt so strongly about that did not come easily to my husband. And we still are that way. I used to think that he was just withholding love. But in retrospect, I actually think some of the things that I value and come naturally to me are just so foreign that he doesn't even really know where to start with them. He communicates love easily in the way that makes sense to him, right? And that sounds normal. Like when we talk about it this way, we're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. What about the other side of it? What if you learn that your partner communicates love in a way that you didn't previously recognize? Are you willing to see the effort and appreciate what they are doing as an expression of love and allow that to fill your tank? This one was super hard for me. It might be hard for you too. Think about it. How does your partner show love? Are you willing to recognize and appreciate that effort? Let's go back to that little tiff that I told you about in the beginning that my husband and I were having over winter break. I was craving his words. I was craving his verbalization that he understood how I was feeling. He gave me an act of service. It really wasn't what I felt like I wanted, right? Although it wasn't being spoken in my primary language, he was speaking love to me. And I'm not going to say it was easy for me. And I'm not even going to say that I completely let go of the desire for communication because I didn't. However, that being said, once I took some deep breaths and I thought about it, I could see this man, my husband, was speaking love to me isn't that part of learning a new language not only verbalizing effectively and speaking in the other person's preferred language but also interpreting correctly so many of us overlook this one myself included i remember when i was trying to describe the gap between my love language and my husband's this is before i got into coaching this is when we were still struggling but I remember I would use this analogy when I was describing it. I said, it's almost like I'm in the heat, like in the desert somewhere, and I'm feeling extreme thirst. And instead of being offered the much desired drink of water, my husband comes along and offers me his hand so I won't trip and fall. Now, it's a lovely gesture, and he's feeling like it's a great offering, right? And I'm over here like, let go of my hand. Like, in fact, I'm a little bit annoyed. Like, let go of my hand. I don't, I need you to give me my hand back so I can hold the water bottle that I'm actually really craving right now. Have you ever done that? Like, even got a little bit annoyed with your partner because you're like, that's not even what I want. I see you trying to do that, but I'm still frustrated at you. He's offering what comes naturally to him. My husband's a physical touch guy. But I'm over here so confused by my own, you know, interpretation of what's going on. Because I've got this craving for this water. And I don't even consider what he's doing in the moment as love, right? I'm not considering that loving at all. In fact, like I said, I might be a little bit annoyed. And when I get annoyed, I totally miss it. And I just get more frustrated And I'm starting to feel like he doesn't give two craps about what I want. He only cares about what he wants. (laughs) Now, some of you are saying, well, if you tell him you want the water, couldn't he give that to you and come back and hold your hand? That sounds like a win-win. I agree with you. That would probably be a win-win. And perhaps he could. I don't know. It would be an ideal situation if it worked out that way. And again, if it does work out for you that way, I think that's awesome. But here's what happens so often. Our partner doesn't always know how to get the water, so to speak. Maybe we say, hey, this is what I really want. And they just don't even know how to do it. Or maybe they do it. This used to happen to me sometimes too. Like I get so frustrated and I would talk about it so much. So then he does whatever it is I say. But it seems like he's doing it half-heartedly or maybe even begrudgingly. So it doesn't feel genuine. You know what I'm talking about? And then we don't feel fulfilled anyway because we don't think it was genuine and they don't feel connected to us either at all because they're feeling forced to do something that is not in alignment with who they are. Now, obviously we aren't just talking about water anymore, but can you see how trying to force the other person to do something leaves you both Feeling unconnected leaves you both feeling a gap in the relationship, right? Because one of you is frustrated that the other person is doing it begrudgingly. And then the other person who goes through with whatever the ask is, is frustrated because they feel like they're being coerced and manipulated. I want to make a little disclaimer here. There may be certain things in your marriage that are absolutely non-negotiable for you, right? For example, I might say, you should never hit me, and I'm asking you to not do that, and that's non-negotiable, okay? That is not what I'm talking about. That's not the same love language um, that I'm trying to convey to you today. If you hit me, I'm out, okay? That's more of a non-negotiable boundary, and it's clear that I won't tolerate it. Maybe I don't have to make that caveat, but I want to because sometimes I'm afraid that My listeners might say, well, you know, he's crossing a little bit of a line, but I can't coerce him. I don't want to force him to not do that. And so they might tolerate some form of abuse or something that is just completely inappropriate. That is not what I'm talking about, okay? I just want you to know that once you're clear on what... You um, classify as needs and what you classify as love languages, once you get clear on that and you have some awareness on that, you're not stuck, even if your partner won't fulfill that for you, okay? Some of you are saying, well, what can you do when you feel like something maybe is not a non-negotiable, non-negotiable boundary, so we're not talking about abuse or anything like that, But it's still super important to me, right? My partner's just not willing or capable of speaking this love language, but it is super important to me. What do I do? You have this craving and your partner either doesn't know how or doesn't feel comfortable feeling that for you. Are you stuck? Something that I've learned is my husband does not have to fulfill all of my cravings and desires. If I know where that water is, let's go back to the analogy with the water bottle. If I know where that water is and he isn't bringing it to me, you better believe I'm gonna go get it myself. If I like to talk more than my husband, maybe I start having a girl's night out more often. Maybe I start calling my mom more often. Maybe I figure out a different way to do it. Maybe I record more podcasts and talk to you, (laughs) right? If I'm craving help at home, Maybe I hire help, or maybe I do a swap with another mom who feels similar. Words of affirmation, I'm going to start by giving them to myself every single morning, right? If I'm craving physical touch, maybe I give more hugs to my friends or my kids, or maybe I go get more massages, right? Not that I get a lot of massages, not even regularly, but maybe I start doing that. I'm not suggesting that you have to go outside of marriage for sex or for physical intimacy. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am suggesting is that when we are aware and we're clear of what we're thinking and feeling, and we're aware and clear about our interactions with our spouse, most things are figure outable. Okay? But you might say, well, that isn't really um, feeding the relationship. That's not really filling the love tank of the marriage. If I have to go outside and get my fulfillment somewhere else. Maybe you're thinking, I want my spouse to be the one who does these things. I hear you. What I want you to see is, though, when you learn how to fill your own love tank, you are much more likely to be in a place where you can approach the relationship from a less needy, less coercive space. You're much more likely to be able to see how your partner is showing love to you, even if it's not in the language you prefer. You're much more likely to be able to prioritize the things that matter more to you, and you're able to come up with solutions that will work for both of you. Because here's the truth. If you don't figure out your own stuff first, your partner can't really make you feel happy anyway. And if you expect your partner to be the one to make you happy by changing who they are, the likelihood of them feeling connected to you in return is very, very low. Okay? So I want to go back just one more time and say there are some things that might be non-negotiable. They might be deal breakers in your marriage. And if your partner isn't living up to their part on one of those, you're going to have to make a decision. Do you want to stay in the marriage or not? But if you're like, no, I'm committed. I'm all in. I just wish they would do this differently. That's where this comes into play. You have to fill your love tank first. And then start to approach your partner and find solutions from that place, okay? Just to reiterate, if you make a request and your partner says, oh, I see, that makes sense now. Of course I'm happy to do that. Perfect. You're both in agreement and it usually works out great and I'm so happy for you. But sometimes one partner feels coerced in a situation and that never fosters connection. And sometimes we'll... We feel totally dependent on our partner for our own happiness, and that also sucks, and it feels terrible, right? And then the intimacy is sabotaged, right? Because you don't take responsibility for yourself, and you're both not able to show up authentically as yourself. That's where we start to feel powerless and out of control, right? When someone else holds the key to our contentment, we lose our power and our control. Each marriage will likely have a combination of circumstances that probably fall someplace between the spectrum of our partner very easily speaking the language and our partner, you know, being completely resistant to speaking our love language. Just be aware that's totally normal. Perhaps start with requests from your partner that seem easier, that seem more doable. There's so many ways you can, so many different ways you can approach this. I want you to think about how can we fill our love love tank in a way that works for us. A way that works for both of you. Get creative. Open your mind. Think outside the box. At the very least, don't use your love languages against each other. Use them as an opportunity to learn even more about yourself and how to improve your relationship in more meaningful ways. Welcome. This is the Intimacy Podcast. Here you'll find clean sex talk, answers to your intimate questions, and practical advice to take your relationship to the next level. I'm your host, certified intimacy coach and instructor Rhonda farr while this podcast is not rated explicit some content may not be suitable for younger listeners hey there friend i know there are some of you out there who are enjoying the podcast but you aren't sure exactly how i help people in my one-on-one practice If that's you, and you're wondering if I might be able to actually walk you through a much desired transformation in your own marriage, make sure you get on my calendar. I'm going to leave a scheduling link in the podcast description today. It's free, and you can make your own appointment by using the link you'll find in the description of this episode.